When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Tuesday, February 22nd, and this is People Every Day. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to People Every Day. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein. I hope your long weekend was an enjoyable one. I spent mine with family and friends and a couple DIY projects, so no complaints over here. Well, it is 2-22-22, and too much is bubbling up out there, so let's jump into the headlines everyone's talking about. For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. The The U.S. women's soccer team came up with another huge victory today. In March 2019, which honestly feels like 30 years ago at this point, right? The United States women's national team filed a gender discrimination lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation for not providing equal pay to men's and women's national teams. U.S. soccer is now forking over a whopping $22 million in back pay to the women's players. An additional $2 million is going towards a fund for U.S women's soccer players post-career goals and charitable efforts. And two-time World Cup champion Megan Rapinoe had this to say on the Today Show earlier this morning. For us, this is just a huge win in ensuring that, um, you know, we not only right the wrongs of the past, but set the next generation up for something that we could only have dreamed of. Now, the lawsuit began in 2016 after members of the women's team claimed they were paid thousands of dollars less than the U.S. men's team at almost every level of competition. And of course, we know they have been killing it for years. And this is such great news. I'm so happy for these amazing women. I am your guest host today, uh, Sherry Shepard. I have to put this on y'all because I try to do it, but y'all do it so much better. How you doing? <laughs> there we go! She is a guest host no longer. Sherry Shepard is set to become the permanent host of the Wendy Williams Show slot in a new show called, well, Sherry. Shepard has been filling in as guest host for Williams while the daytime talk show Queen has missed the entire season, dealing with several health issues, including COVID-19 and Graves' disease. Shepard was one of several guest hosts to fill in during Williams' absence, and she, of course, has plenty of talk show experience after co-hosting The View and her current show, Dish Nation. But it's the end of an era, you guys. Williams' show, where she spilled tea and, and ruffled feathers in infamous fashion, has been on the air for 14 seasons. Shepard's new show, Sherry, is set to debut this fall. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy she's getting an opportunity that she's worked so hard for. And Wendy will always be daytime royalty. I'm wishing her all the rest and recovery. And now on to the big news about an actual royal. The Queen of England is battling the coronavirus. So guys, over the weekend, we got the news that Queen Elizabeth tested positive for COVID-19. This, of course, comes after we learned that her son, Prince Charles, and his wife, Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall, and future queen consort, 
tested positive. While it has been reported that the queen, who's 95, is fully vaccinated, the news is definitely causing concern and is continuing to have a domino effect because several Windsor Castle staff members also tested positive. Well, joining me now to discuss the details of what is happening on the other side of the pond is the woman who knows all things Windsor's, People's Senior Royals Editor, Michelle Tauber. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Janine. So we got the news Sunday about the Queen's COVID diagnosis, which wasn't a full-on surprise because we know she was in close contact, you know, with her son who tested positive. But the statement said she's, quote, experiencing mild cold-like symptoms, which, you know, is a little concerning. She's 95 years old. Thank God it said mild. But what else do we know? Like, is there anything to be nervous about? It's scary. They had really tried to keep her protected and ultimately the virus found its way inside Windsor Castle. So it's true that the palace is downplaying the severity of her symptoms and saying that it's mild and that is the hope everyone has. Is there a reason to be concerned? I think anytime you're speaking about someone of that advanced age with any illness, there's always reason for concern. Yeah. I mean, how are Charles and Camilla doing? Do we know? So they're doing better. This was the second time that Charles contracted COVID. Yeah. He weathered the first bout, and they are on the mend from this bout. Charles didn't realize he was COVID positive when he met with the queen. And um, yeah, that's how these things tend to sneak in. And then in the midst of her big celebration, right? Yes. It should be a time of joy for Queen Elizabeth. This anniversary that's coming up, it's the 70th anniversary of her time on the throne, which is a world record for a monarch. It's amazing. 70 years on the throne. She was only 25 when her father, King George VI, died, and 26 when she was coronated, and she's 95 and about to be 96 in April. So, yeah, seven wow. years. It's astonishing. And this should be cause for global celebration. And instead, she's dealing with quite a number of challenges. And she recently canceled all virtual meetings as well. Is that an indicator, I guess, to you that things might be getting a little worse or, or or not? It is an indicator to me that things could be better. If she was, as you say, scheduled to do a virtual audience that they canceled and the palace said she essentially is still feeling under the weather, mm-hmm. we, we know that the queen, her devotion to duty is her key driver in life. So when the queen has to cancel an engagement, has to has to back out of, of a, an official duty, that's a really big deal. And it is indicative of concern for her health and well-being. We are still coming off the news about Prince Andrew. So how did she deal with that? Absolutely. And, you know, again, she's dealing with so much at a time when she's still mourning the death of her husband, Prince Philip, but it hasn't even been a year. So that's someone she would have leaned on in times like the the news of Andrew's settlement. He paid a reported multi-million dollar sum to his accuser, Virginia Dufresne. And that sent shockwaves through the palace and around the world. It was a pretty significant low point for, for this family. So not only does she have to contend with that, but also this is her son whom she loves. It's it's widely popularly believed that he's her favorite son, not that she would ever say that uh, publicly, but it was depicted that way on the crown. Many people feel that's the case. And he is disgraced. And, you know, with these big Jubilee celebrations coming up, 
He's not expected to be a part of any of these public celebrations. And I think that that would be really hard just as a mother when one of your children is no longer in the picture. For sure. And that's also just one less person to spread out all of these duties among. I mean, you don't have Harry, you don't have Megan. Exactly. You know, Andrew's out. Exactly. Uh, you know, there's a lot falling on. I guess, Will and Kate. So, I mean, let's talk about them. Like, where is Kate in all of this? Where is Prince William in all of this? Kate is actually out today. She's in Denmark on a solo tour, her first uh, time doing that to promote her early childhood development initiatives. Mm -hmm. And William, we're going to see him out and about this week too, I think. It's clear, and it has been for some time, that the Queen has begun to take her foot off the gas in some ways, yeah. as you would expect for someone who's 95. And we have seen an amplification of William and Kate's voices within the family and their visibility has been raised. And of course, the big news a couple weeks ago, just before the Queen's illness was made public, her very surprising uh, statement of support for Camilla to be Queen Consort. Yeah. A source described it to us as housekeeping and the kind of thing you do sort of to tie up loose ends in a time of advanced age. We are, of course, hoping and praying she is well. Um, but even if she takes this as a cue to kind of step away officially, uh, what are the next steps? What happens? Where do um, the dominoes fall? So there is no indication that the queen would officially step away. I think what we're going to see instead is a sort of gradual handing off that we've already been seeing of some of the day-to-day -day duties. Mm -hmm. Um I think if we were to hear the news that the queen is officially stepping away or, you know, abdicating so that her son and heir, Prince Charles, could assume the throne, if if we were to hear that, we, we would know mm. a serious turn had occurred in her health because she is utterly devoted, as I said, to the monarchy yeah. and to her job as monarch. Michelle, thank you so much for taking us into this. Thanks, Janine. Appreciate it. Coming up, Britney Spears is ready to tell her story, the whole thing. The pop star secured a tell-all book deal. And you know what that means. We have to talk all about what's going on with her now. But first, it's Tuesday, and we've got some trivia for you. It seems like all Tom Holland does these days is make hit movies. Holland recently received praise for playing Nathan Drake in his newest flick, Uncharted, which took home the top spot at the box office this weekend. But did you know this version almost didn't happen. In 2010, David O. Russell was set to pin the script and step behind the camera for his take on the franchise with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci rumored to star with a different actor set to play Nathan Drake. So today's Tuesday trivia question for you, which actor was originally cast to play Uncharted's Nathan Drake? Find out after the break. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are back. Did you figure it out? The original actor set to play Nathan Drake still wanted to be a part of the film and waited for it to finally get the green light. But when the studio gave the thumbs up, the actor felt he had aged out. Here's Holland on Seth Meyers last night explaining. There's been loads of different actors. Mark Wahlberg at one point was going to play Nate, and now he's old, so he plays Sully. Yeah. That's right. Co-star Mark Wahlberg was the original choice for the lead, but aged out of the role, so he slid over to play Nate's mentor, Sully. With the film's success, there are already rumors of a sequel floating around, but he better be careful. Holland's girlfriend, Zendaya, sounds like she's a little worried about her man and the stunts they're making him pull off. I was actually on set on Spider-Man pitching the movie to Zendaya. I was going through the film scene by scene, and I told her that. I was like, oh, there's this great bit where I get hit by a car out of a plane. And she's like, I have to stop you there. (laughs) What on earth is this movie about? I love them. Like, what shall we call them? Zom? Tom Dea? (laughs) Get back to me on that one. Stronger than yesterday, indeed. Britney Spears is the pop icon whose story has flooded the headlines repeatedly in the last few months. And now the 40-year-old recording artist is doing it again. People confirmed over the weekend that Britney has signed a massive book deal for $15 million with Simon & Schuster. This memoir announcement comes three months after the termination of her long-held conservatorship, a public feud on social media with her sister Jamie Lynn, and an ongoing legal fight against her father, Jamie. The toxic singer definitely has a lot to get off her chest. And here with me today to discuss the many facets of this story is senior West Coast editor Melody Chu. Hey, Mel. Hi, Janine. Hello. We're talking Britney again. Well, it seems like, I don't know, since October, there is not a week that goes by that we don't have some sort of Britney news. And now the memoir. So tell me why you think it is the right time for Britney to do this. Yeah, I think she's been waiting to tell her story, not just since the conservatorship was terminated in November, so we're about uh, three months out, if I'm doing my math right. She's been teasing for months that, you know, just wait until I can speak because she feels like everyone else is sort of speaking for her. Like you said, when she was under the conservatorship, exactly, she couldn't make her own business decisions, her own Mm -hmm. career moves without all of that getting approved. So this is definitely a huge deal for her. This is coming, you know, an interesting timing. Jamie Lynn, who she's gone back and forth with, recently released her own memoir as well. And, I mean, we didn't get a lot of details about what was happening within Britney's conservatorship there, right? No, um, Jamie Lynn definitely wrote about her relationship with Britney. She's been insisting that, you know, I had nothing to do with the conservatorship. I don't know the details of mm-hmm. it. But our sources did say yesterday, you know, this book, it's not a hitting back at Jamie Lynn. Of course, she'll be writing about everything, I'm sure. But it's not pointed at her sister or anything. It's really her chance to tell her story. 
it just feels like so much um, noise and, and media attention. You sort of like lose the human Britney in all of this. Whether it turns out that there was conservatorship abuse or there wasn't, it's this woman deeply struggling. And to hear her tell her side will just be really incredible, I think, that she gets her voice back and she can share what her truth is and, and what her side is. I know. I want to know about Justin. I want to hear exactly what she has to say. Why is that the first thing I thought of, too? <laughs> <laughs> we'll never move on. Um, that, But also just like, yeah, like, how does she describe her struggles? Because we're hearing a lot of, like, what it wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, they did too much. They put me into this situation. Yeah. But what was going on? It's just endless. I mean, now the main thing is that she is trying to fight for uh, Jamie to cover his own legal bills because he's still, mm. um, you know, trying to get paid. And and I think Rosengart, Brittany's new lawyer, had said or claimed that Jamie had spent $30 million paying really, really expensive legal fees. I mean, this wow. has gone on for years and years. And, and with the latest tangles, it adds up. The judge in the last hearing didn't make a decision yet. And then also in that same hearing, I think his lawyer had said they wanted to petition for Britney's medical records to be released because I think their goal is to sort of be like, hey, you know, there's a lot more going on that you guys don't see. There was a reason for this conservatorship. And of course, you know, Britney's side is like, you're going to out your daughter and her private medical records. So it's very messy still. Wow. Well, I mean, recently, Britney has been very open and free on her social media, even posting... You remember this, the nearly nude photos of her mm -hmm. body and, and she, you know, just sharing more aspects of her adult life. She's grown. But, you know, recently she and Sam Asghari, her fiance, celebrated their first Valentine's Day together and she shared that as well. Do you think we're seeing a new side of Britney, you know, with this new freedom or is this the same person that she says was kept from the world? Yeah, it's so complicated. I think our sources have always said Brittany at the end of the day just loves a really simple life. You know, she she loves her kids. She said she wants more kids. Uh, she'd be happy just living her life in a very quiet way in, in terms of she's this huge superstar, but she doesn't really live her life. I mean, we can't mm -hmm. all go to Hawaii for like four weeks and pay for all that she can now. But <laughs> at the end of the day, that's what she wants. Like, her life with Sam and seeing her kids and all of that. And she's been in this conservatorship for so long and she has to figure out what does my life look like now? Who do I trust? Who can I lean on? Um, and Sam, like you said, she really sees him as her rock these days. And um, we haven't heard any, you know, more on wedding planning lately. That's what I was going to ask you. Are we getting a Britney extravaganza? <laughs> I mean, our sources say one day she's like, I want to get married tomorrow by the beach. But then another day she wants this really over the top, you know, hotel, ballroom, beautiful, glamorous um, wedding in L.A. And then so it, she's like, I think, any other bride to be. She just has all these mm -hmm. ideas, but nothing set in stone yet from what we hear. Mel, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, after all that, I will leave you with this. Black History Month gives us a chance to celebrate the stories of so many heroes who shaped our country for the better in politics, sciences, the arts, you name it. What I love most is how those stories inspire the next generation. And that's exactly why a new viral video of a little girl dressing up as Viola Davis really warmed my soul. Six-year-old Rose White dressed up as Viola Davis in a video posted to Instagram and just... Take a listen. I know it's something to make you smile. I am Viola Davis, actress and producer. I am the first black woman to achieve the triple crown of acting. 
What's a triple crown of vacuum, you ask? Hmm, I'm gonna teach you. A triple crown of vacuum gets an Emmy, Academy, and Tony Awards. I win all of those awards. <laughs> So Viola Davis reposted the video with the caption, OMG, this makes my life. Thank you, at Go Rosie Grow. No words to describe how full this makes me. And soon Davis will be a hero playing a hero as she's set to take on the role of Michelle Obama in the upcoming Showtime drama, The First Lady. Little Rosie and I will definitely be watching. Well, thank you all so much for making us a part of your Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of People Every Day.